happening, guys? Welcome to another episode of Hustle Smart. What's going on? What's going on? Yes, yes, yes. Today we've got a very special guest who goes by the name Tunde. Would you like to introduce yourselves for those that don't know you? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name's Tunde Youssef. Um, I wear lots of different hats, um, but primarily I run an e-commerce business, um, trading on Amazon, eBay, and our own platform. Um, I also dabble in some property investing as well alongside that. And um, yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have you here because we, we always have great conversations offline. So yeah. it's good to have it here. Um, let also, every time we kind of talk, I'm always like, we need more it's people to hear this. kind yeah. of the conversations we're having. So yeah. yeah. Um, so how, how so who who's Tunde? Like how did the journey start? And how mm. did you kind of get to where you are now? Because I know kind of a bit of your background, yeah. but for those that don't know. Um, I think I've always been someone who's, been in business for myself pretty much for as long as I can remember from selling sweets in school to doing you know nightclub promotions at uni it's just kind of been within me um and then I think as I graduated uni there was a very clear decision to make as to whether I'd go into the corporate world yeah or whether I'd keep down this path of sort of you know running your own business or entrepreneurship whatever you want to call it and it just kind of has always made sense for me um I've been good at it. It's worked out, you know, there's been ups and downs, of course, but it's just always been something that I've done. So that's what people know me for. They know me for starting yeah. things and, you know, pushing things and, yeah. Did Come you on. ever dabble into the corporate world or just straight business? Um, I'd done two internships during the summers of uni. Okay. Um, so one was in a recruitment company called Michael Page. Um, that was like during the London Olympics. I remember that well. So I learned a lot there about like sales and stuff. Mm. That was only eight weeks though. Um, yeah. And then the following summer, I worked at a company called Internships. Um, again, that was for eight weeks and they were like a jobs platform, like an online jobs platform for students. But apart from that, it's pretty much been, it's just playing the solo game really. Mm-hmm. I, I got a quick question. Yeah. So obviously you kind of give us, gave us a brief background of who you are, what you do, right? Mm-hmm. But what do you, what do you represent? represent yeah. in a business context just like what does Tunde represent trying I think trying mm. experimenting mm-hmm. um, never feeling like someone can do things better than me mm-hmm. I've always mm-hmm. had a bit of a competitive edge where it's like if I see someone doing something mm-hmm. I think okay maybe I can do that as well yeah yeah, yeah. Um, maybe I can do it better yeah. potentially as well um, and I've just never been someone who could fit into a box like I'm always late to staff so going into the corporate world wouldn't would probably work out for me um, long term. So, yeah, and I, and I think long term, I just want to be someone who has freedom of movement. So I want to be able to travel more, um, do more things for family and just generally be someone who's not tied into, mm. no, into like, any, any box. No, I like that. And the, re- the reason why I ask is because, like, yeah, a lot of people, it's like, it's easy to kind of just say, oh, this is what I do. Yeah. But, like... Sometimes people find it a little bit more difficult to think much more introspect- introspectively. So I was just, just was was just curious to, yeah. to to find that out. No, it's a good question, and mm. I think it's a question that we need to ask ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah why, do we, why do we wake up and do what we do? Yeah, every definitely. Day? Um, I agree. It's an important thing to reflect on for mm. sure. So yeah, um, so obviously you said from like university, nightclub promotions mm-hmm. and stuff like that. What was your first business outside of university? Um, straight after uni, I actually worked, I should have, I should have actually mentioned this. So the first thing I done after uni was work for my brother for a year, actually. So he, um, at the time was starting his recruitment business. 
And because coincidentally I'd done that eight week internship uh, with a recruitment company, I kind of understood the basics. So at that point, I was still not sure what I wanted to do. Um, mm. He said, come, come join me for a year, help me sort of establish the framework of this business. Um, and then if you want to move on after that, feel free to, yeah. to go somewhere else. So that was like my first 12 months after uni. How was that? It was good. It was good. I mean, at that time, I was trying to help primarily get more clients in the States. Um, so it still very much felt like my own business because I didn't really have any real framework. Like yeah. When you work in yeah. recruitment, it's almost like you're self-employed within a larger structure. Even in a startup as well, there's so much that you've got to do. Like yeah. there's still... There's no real hierarchy. There was a lot to do. I mean, at that time, we were like developing the website. Mm. We were just in the real early days um, of just trying to make that business sort of, you know, a business to a degree. Um, He had already been running it, I think, nine months prior to me joining. Or maybe, no, maybe a couple of years, maybe like two years. But again, he was at a point where he wanted to to take it to the next level. Um, So then I left that. um, And then I started a tech company. um, And that was around helping people rate their driving instructor. So I failed my driving test like five times. I think I passed on five. So I was like, looking back at that, I was like, oh, do you know what? If there was a website where you could rate these instructors, like yeah. it would be good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had a relative degree of success. Like we'd done a fundraising um, round, um, you could call it. I moved to Newcastle as well because we went on like a tech accelerator program. And um, yeah, that was like the first real thing that I'd worked on yeah. after uni. So, so kind of what, what happened with that then? Did it kind of just reach a point? Because also, we're kind of solving a problem, but is it a problem that everyone kind of needs? Yeah, so it's funny. I, I remember meeting the um, person who started Just Eat, and he basically said the problem with, with a business like that, and it proves to be true, is that nobody ever needs it again. You, mm. you, get, your, you get your license, mm. pass your test, and you move on. And yeah. he was explaining how Just Eat, they lose money when you first sign up where they make money, I think he said after 11 times. Okay. When you've ordered on, on Just Eat the 11th time, that's when it becomes a profitable customer for them. Um, so on reflection, the problem that I had with that business is not necessarily that there wasn't demand, it's that there was no repeat custom base. Mm. Um, and that's hard because you have to, you'll know better than me, you have to constantly remarket for new customers, um, yeah. which gets expensive. So yeah, that ended up closing. Um, just because, you know, the the economics of it didn't work and then had to move on mm-hmm. and do something new. How was it kind of, were you kind of, was it a tough decision to make? Or like, because sometimes, a lot of times, people hold on to things longer than they need to. Um, mm. Also, people don't hold on to things long enough as well. Yeah. But how was that kind of process of like leaving it behind and... Because you already moved to like Newcastle and stuff like that. Yes, I mean, the Newcastle thing was short term anyway. So it was it was a three month program, but I, I ended up living there for six months. Um, it was also my business partner. So at the time I had a business partner, he wanted to okay. sort of go back to uni, I believe it was at the time and do a master's. So it kind of was a natural okay. um, conclusion to that business. Um, and in terms of the point of moving on, I feel like most people actually move on too early. Um because a lot of the progress comes in year two, year three, year four. Mm. Um, and it's very easy to say, it's not working in the now, so I'm going to move on to something else. How do you know when to move on, though? You never know when to move on. Yeah. It's, it's mm. quite an arbitrary thing, right? Like, how do you know 
if you close down a business, how do you not know that the following year is when, it have, <laughs> is when it would have blown up? Yeah. Um, it's also quite personal. Like if you're really struggling with yourself, um, you're not enjoying it, or if, I don't know, if your finances are not necessarily straight, then you might have to you yeah. know, put it on pause or, you know, go, and, yeah. go and, you know, do something else. But I think you never quite know. Mm. Um, you never quite know because you hear of so many businesses and year 11 is when they make, yeah. you know, is when they become household names or that's even, when they become, you know, reputable brands. For sure. Well. Even like sometimes with age as well, mm. like when you kind of look at like the richest peoples and stuff like that, I think because obviously like social media influencers and all that kind of stuff, we all are like, right, this person is in their 20s doing this, mm. has this amount of stuff and stuff like that. And obviously it's great and stuff. But mm. if you put it into like that perspective, a lot of the people that are actually killing it are like in their 30s. Like that's what, anytime I'm kind of getting advice from people, older, oh, is like, you're still young. You're still very new to this. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. obviously like they have the benefit of time, but I also have the benefit of time in the sense that I'm younger so I can mm-hmm. do more. Mm-hmm. But they also have like the benefit that they've been doing it for longer than mm. me as well and just through time growing with people stuff like that like even our last guest Christina said that the businesses that she works with now a lot of them they start off together mm. do you know what I mean and like five years in that's when they're now really kind of succeeding they're able to kind of work together mm. as also sometimes it's just giving it time like you said and not letting go too early 100% well. no, I completely agree with that I completely agree yeah but so obviously now you're kind of in the e-commerce world yeah um was that straight after the not straight after what was that your next venture after because no so there's been different ones but e-commerce came up during the first lockdown okay of 2020 um i had already worked or not worked but i had already had like a small business within e-commerce mm-hmm. um years prior to that and we were sort of in the event space so we were like buying, reselling and trading like concept tickets in essence. So I already had like a bit of experience. And then I tried with Amazon maybe like 2018. Um, And at that time I was doing Xbox games, but there wasn't really any margin in it. I didn't really know what I was doing, but a friend of mine was doing it. So I gave it a go. Mm. Didn't really take it seriously. And then 2020 came around and there was nothing to do. Couldn't leave the house. Nobody was sort of, yeah, we were all locked away. Um, so my friend and, and long-term business partner, he was actually buying one of the products that we now sell. Um, and he sent it to me and he was like, oh, look how sometimes it sells for this and sometimes it sells for that. And then I, he was like, oh, is there any software we can use and stuff? So we started to tap into like the, the, the software that you can plug into Amazon um, to spot trends. So we were spotting trends of what products were popular, what products were, were doing well in certain months of the year. Um, and it was just a very natural thing. Like we started by ordering like 10 items to, I think it was my mom's house. Yeah, it was my mom's house at the time. And um, she lives, at the time she lived near me. So then after that, when it started to grow, you know, through that, we then moved to a storage facility in King's Cross. Um, again, not too far away. And then we just grew from there, basically. And now we've got two warehouses. So we, we operate from Leicester. Um, and then we've got a, like a third-party warehouse that we use in um, Wales, Newport. So for, for those who don't understand, right, can yeah. you just briefly explain, obviously it might sound a bit patronized, but I'll just like, be, briefly explain like what is e-commerce and like yeah. how does 
the Amazon FBA stuff work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's so, like, even if I'm watching a YouTube video, there's, like, so many ads about it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I've, so, I've yeah. done my own research into it. So I yeah. understand it, but, like, mm-hmm. not a lot of people even know. Yeah, you know not a lot of people know what it is. Um, generally, e-commerce just means, you know, the purchase of products online. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what people will use as, like, the umbrella term. If we get more specific into Amazon, so we all know what Amazon is. Mm. We all shop on Amazon. I mean, you know, 70 million people in the UK pretty much shop on Amazon. So when you're buying a product on Amazon, whatever that may be, it could be, a, you know, a camera here. Um, sometimes you'll be buying from Amazon in the sense of you'll be buying from, um, you know, Jeff Bezos to a degree. You know, he owns that product in the sense of it's his inventory, it's his stock. Mm. Um, and you're buying directly from, from Amazon. Um, and then... 50% of sales also come through third-party sellers. Mm-hmm. So that's people like myself and yourself who have products, whatever that may be, um, and they list it on the Amazon platform. Kind of similar to eBay. It works slightly differently because eBay is focused a bit more on um, used items, you know, pre-owned items. Um, but and, and when people say FBA, that, that, that's kind of a bit of a vague term. Mm-hmm. FBA just means that it's been fulfilled by Amazon. So let's say I buy 100 TVs. If I want to send it into Amazon's warehouse first, when you then buy it, Amazon are, are doing the fulfillment to you. So it just means fulfilled by Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, some sellers like ourselves, we don't actually do that. We fulfill it ourselves. So we'll send the item when the order comes through, we'll send the item to you. Um, so it's a bit of a cloudy um, arena because not mm. a lot of people have done it to mm-hmm. a degree. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we all see the ads, sell on Amazon, sell on Amazon. But all it means in very simple terms is that you have a product that you're selling on on, on Amazon to, to different customers across mm. the UK or across Europe. And is it relatively like to 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 get into it? Is the barriers barriers to entry relatively low? Is it is it easy to do? Is it hard or is it product specific? You've got to find a good niche. Mm. Um, you've got to find a good product. That's like the starting point. Um, I wouldn't say the barriers to entry are extremely high. Um, there's two hundred and eighty thousand. Amazon sellers in the UK alone. So, so that means clearly you can see that a lot of people do it. Mm. Um, you need a bit of money to start in the sense of to, to buy your first batch of products, whatever that may be. Um, and then obviously you need to, to list it and then do the fulfillment as well. Um, but I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's difficult to get into. You have to understand what you're doing. Um, there is money at stake to a degree because you're always sort of buying new stock. If you're buying stock that nobody wants to to buy off you, then you've got a bit of a problem on your hands. So it's not, it's, it, I'd say it's hard to excel at. Mm. Um, we're doing very well. Like we're now in the top 1% of, of sellers by revenue. Um, but that's because we, we focus on it all of the time. Some people just do it as sort of a part-time and like, yeah, hobby. Like, do you have to do you advert? So if you're, if you're selling on Amazon, do you have to mm-hmm. do that advertisement? Like, I know, for example, on Instagram, um, YouTube, you can do like sponsored, yeah. like sponsored posts or sponsored ads and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, is it a similar thing? To a degree, so it depends. So without getting too technical, so there's two ways to sell on Amazon. Mm. I'll explain the first one. So the first one is is list is selling already branded products. Mm-hmm. So that might be a, a Canon camera that I'm looking at now, or a Samsung TV. So all I need to do is go onto Amazon type in the code of that product um, and press list. And as long as there's no restrictions on that, it means that I can sell that product to anybody. I can then go and buy it from a supplier or from wherever I want to, to get it from. 
Another um, route that people go down is something called private label. Mm -hmm. So private label is when, let's say, we were really into pets and we came up with a pet bowl um, and we were importing them from China, but then we were putting our own brand on it Mm -hmm. and we were calling it, I don't know, Jimmy's Pet Bowls. Then obviously nobody is searching for that on the platform. Mm. Um, So you'd need to, you know, put some money into sponsored ads in order to get people to to buy that product in the early days. Yeah, 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 makes sense. Makes sense. So how did you kind of go about choosing your first product? Or did you just say like you were kind of testing and seeing the trends? Because also someone could try the product you have now and may not get the same level of success. Do you know what I mean? 100%. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always that competition element. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of software that people can use. Um, if people want to reach out to me, I can write a list up of the softwares. But there's basically software that we use to study trends. So you can look at sort of to a degree similar to um, Google Ads in the sense of you can see what people are searching for. You can see what people are looking for. Mm. Um, and then you can obviously decide what niche to, to focus on. So I think it comes down to finding products that are obviously going to sell well. Um, and going to sell at a decent enough volume to to make some margin from it, basically. No, for sure. Mm. And how how did you scale it? Because like you said, from ordering to your mom's house to now having two warehouses, yeah. like, that's huge. Yeah. Like, how was that kind of scaling process? And what was like some of the stresses that came along with it? Scaling, scaling didn't actually happen straight away. So I think the first six months we were operating from a, a storage facility. Mm. And it's basically a shared facility in, in King's Cross. So we were using like 200, 300 square feet of space. Um, and it was just me. And sometimes I'd get in like part-time help from, from Gumtree to, to, for people to come and prep and pack um, for me when it, when it was a bit too much. But where we really scaled up is when we started using this third-party facility um, because there's no limit in the amount of stock that they'll take for you. Um, obviously, you just pay them per box. You pay them for every item that goes into that. So what we done, and it was a bit of a risk, but we took all of the profits that we made from the the first six months. Um, And whereas we were doing like small sort of pallet load items, um, we started importing containers from abroad. Um, So 40 foot containers, 20 foot containers. So that took the business to a whole new level um, where we're not doing, I don't know, 10, 20 transactions per week. You know, we were doing hundreds and hundreds um, simply because we, we we went to that next level quite quickly um, in terms of having the containers come directly from Italy and sometimes China. Um, and that's where we... And in terms of the challenges, sorry, I think there's always challenges. Customer service becomes an issue. You're dealing with hundreds more customers. Mm. Um, staffing, you know, you need to then have staff. You need to have a bit of a team around you when you're dealing in that type of volume. And cash flow as well is a big one. Um, when you're doing importing from China, you're then, you're forward purchasing a lot of stock. Um, So I might be buying stock now that won't come, you know, now we're in April, I might be buying stock that won't come until August now. So I have to be able to to manage my cash flow and make sure that you sort of don't run out of money when you're doing that type of transaction. It's quite interesting. Um, So like, at what point, because I, I'm, I, I'm assuming that you, you pay yourself from this, right? Yes, more recently, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. so at what point did you decide, you know what, I'm going to actually start paying myself and this is actually generating me an income. Like how did you, 
how did you decide kind of how much you was going to pay yourself and whatnot? Um, well, recently I, I've bought, I bought a, a flat, so I had to pay myself a certain amount to, mm. to get that mortgage through. Um, but for the first year, me and my business partner, we didn't touch any of the profits. Um, and that was because we had this sort of growth plan to a degree. Yeah. Um, and when you're trying to grow, it becomes a clear sort of toss-up. Do I want to put money into my own pocket mm. or do I want to have more, more money to buy more stock? Mm. Um, and at that time, we said, right, if we buy more stock, we get certain economies of scale. Mm-hmm. So when I approach a supplier saying, right, I want 500 items, I can get a much better price than if I say to him, I want 100 items. Mm. Yeah. So with that in mind, it was that initial sacrifice of the first year, which was fine because it was lockdown. Like mm. I had savings at the time, like it was lockdown. There wasn't really a, a much that I could spend money on if I wanted to. Mm. Um and then once we got over that first year and you know, we started to, to to see some real growth, that's when we started to then yeah, yeah, yeah. fund ourselves through through the business. Mm. And like to to start taking money because obviously you was putting a lot of it back into the stock right now. To start taking money out of it, putting it into your own pocket now was that was that kind of difficult emotionally? Um. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Yes and no. I think there becomes a point where you're like, right, I need to, when you're working all the time, there's mm. a point where you're like, right, I need to start seeing some type of, you know, lifestyle increase to a degree. You know, mm. you want to start at least enjoying yourself a tiny bit. Um, but I think the thing with money is like, when you have money, it definitely makes it easier to make the next the next batch of money. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you never want to be in a position where you're making 10 grand and you're spending 10 grand because... Mm. If you make 10, my my mentality is like, you can make 10, turn that into 14, Mm. you know, turn that 14 into 17, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then maybe take out two for yourself and Mm. then turn that 15 into 20. You know, that's that's the real essence of of compounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. So in this type of business, it's very important that you leave money in the business Mm. um, so that when the next opportunity comes up or when the next product comes around, um, you've got the ability to... Yeah, mm. use use that money to to go make some. And like, what, what did you, what did you have to sacrifice in in that in the time of grow, growing the business? Um, time, I'd say. Yeah, like you have to, you have to work. Like you really have to work because we didn't do no Amazon course. We didn't have a mentor. It mm. was just very much learning it as we were going along. Um, made a few small mistakes, but nothing too major. Mm. Um, so time was the biggest sacrifice, I would say. I'm used to working. I've got a, a high, you know, ability to work a lot. So mm. I never felt like it was too much. Mm. Um, but it's definitely intense. Like even on the way here, like in traffic, I'd quickly check. You know, mm. is there any any customers complaining or whatever? So you did, just have to constantly be on the ball. Yeah, and relentless. like, did it ever? Like affect relationships, whether it's platonic or intimate or anything like that. Or did um, everyone around you kind of un- understood? People know what I'm like. Like I'm not. I'm quite a low key person anyway, so I'm not out a lot, regardless. So mm. people know what I'm like. Like if I'm working, I'm working. I can live a very simple lifestyle for a long period of time. Like it's not really um, a problem for me. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think. After a while, what happens is that people then assume that, oh, because he's busy, he's not going to come. Um, so you get that a lot where you'll see, I don't know, two of your friends out and you'll message them like, oh, like, you know. Where's my invite? Well, mm-hmm. what's, what's happening here? And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, we thought you'd be busy. So 
there does there does become a bit of that where people assume that because you're running this type of business or you're running any type of business, um, that you're always busy, um, which is not always the case as yeah. well. Like there's always downtime. Like I'm not gonna lie and say. I don't really think anyone really works like 16 hours. And if they say they do, there's probably a lot of slippage in what they're doing um, mm. in the day. Um, but I think, yeah, people just get a, an assumption of you that you're you're always maybe too busy for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too busy, which isn't even necessarily the case. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. No, it makes sense. And in terms of... So obviously you, you had to sacrifice things, but is there... And you said downtime, but how do you find balance in it? Like, or do you just kind of, for example, like you sell seasonal products, right? Mm-hmm. Or products that obviously mostly are bought in the, in the, in the summer, summer months. Yeah, months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it kind of like you're just used to that where you're know, okay, cool. These like you're working in sprints essentially, mm-hmm. or you just try and find balance in general. Yeah, I think we, we work in sprints for sure. Yeah. So like you said, we do a lot of sort of garden and outdoors um, product so and that was just by default because when we started the business it was summer Mm. um it wasn't necessarily you know calculated that we'd do it like that um so winter the winter just gone was a lot more relaxed for me um you know went on holiday I've, i've been on two holidays this winter actually so but that's all with the knowledge that April to September is is gonna be crazy. Um, And there'll still be time for other stuff. Like I just believe if you manage your time properly, Mm. there's always time. Um, But for us right now, it's it's very much a case of some months will be really busy. Yeah. um, And some some will be a bit more relaxed and you're just sort of planning and doing more admin and stuff. Yeah, for Mm. sure. So what what advice do you have for anyone trying to get into the e-commerce world? Because one thing I do really like about... um, the e-commerce stuff is like for example you've got an online business where like you said you can also travel and stuff like that Mm. but also there's some sort of freedom where like for example you can be low-key or you don't need to essentially build a personal brand or whatever it's just like for example you're selling garden tools and no one's gonna know what the person behind it looks like do you know what i mean so like i do it is really an appealing kind of business um opportunity as well so like what type of advice do you have for those and also could you also mention some more of like the perks or benefits of kind of you going into e-commerce rather than like recruitment or anything else like that yeah um the perks i mean there's money in it that's undeniable for sure Mm. um it does give you flexibility like if i really wanted to right now i could be in america like if i really wanted to um i might need to hire maybe one more person um just to do some of the things that have to be uk related such as i don't know calling certain couriers or or whatever that may be um so i think a big perk and a big reason why a lot of people get into it is because they want to travel they want to be able to sort of work abroad wherever that is asia the states whatever that may be um and in terms of tips to get into it i'd say you just have to learn how it works like with anything you have to understand how it works um you know youtube is free you know google is free and but also don't spend too long learning um it definitely doesn't harm to just start buying some items Mm. so you could for example and i see some people do this on on instagram where They'll go to, I don't know, they'll go to Costco or they'll go to Argos and they'll pick out, I don't know, like some toys or whatever it may be. Um, And then they'll go and list those on Amazon and sell those. There's nothing wrong with that because while you might look at it and say, oh, these 10 products will only make me, I don't know, 
300 pounds as an example um you're actually learning how the system works you're learning the process um so i'd say just learn by doing it's actually not as hard as as people think um mm-hmm. yeah that's that would be my my main advice and what's been like in your experience so far of doing e-commerce um and and amazon as well mm-hmm. um what's been your biggest lesson biggest lesson that's, that's actually a hard question. There's so many. Mm. Um, List a few. Oh, yeah, like top three. A few lessons. You have to be good with people, mm. for sure. Like, we have to be good with people. Like, we call on a lot of favors, whether that's couriers, whether that's delivery drivers, whether that's people in the warehouse. Um, people look at it as, you know, it's a online business. So, you know, you must not have to deal with people, but you actually do. Like, I'll have customers call me. Um, a lot of the time they'll say an item's missing. Um, they'll say, you know, an item's, you know, whatever it is, it's damaged, it's broken. And I feel like I've always been able to, our reviews are very good. And that's because we we spend a lot of time being customer focused. Like we actually treat people well. It's not like, oh, you know, we've got your money now. Just, you know. Not just a number. Yeah, not just a number at all. Um, another thing is like compounding is definitely a real thing. Um when you do make some money, really try, really try your best to hold on to that money um, because it definitely then opens up future, future opportunities for you. Um, And another thing is move fast. Like I think a lot of people don't actually believe it when we say how, or when, when we explain how quickly we've grown. And that's because we just had this ability to, to move extremely fast. We, we never saw ourselves as, oh, we need to learn or we need to take it slowly. It was very much, okay, we're in this now. Mm. Let's, let's take it as far as we can um, in the shortest possible time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot, like a lot of people um, get paralyzed by just analysis and learning, whether it's in entrepreneurship, whether it's in the corporate world. Mm. And yeah, you have to just, you have to just keep moving because eventually your your window's gonna it's gonna close 100% you'll miss yeah, it so yeah you have to start you yeah to like start. i'm i'm definitely a big i'm i'm an advocate for for doing and learning on the job anyway do you know what i mean like yeah. so you know yeah. once you've got the basic you know knowledge of something i think the best thing to do is to start yeah. um make your mistakes along the way rather than feel like you need all of the answers yeah then yeah and then up front so like how can so if one of our listeners to um you know, is, is hearing this and they, they want to start uh, getting into e-commerce, mm-hmm. more specifically selling on Amazon. Yeah. Kind of like, what's, like what's the, what are the first things that they, they should do? Um, create an account on Amazon Seller Central um, so that you're registered to sell. Um, start thinking about the different niches that you maybe have an understanding of or that you feel like you'd want to go into. That could be from pets to beauty to, you know, gardens outdoors whatever it may be you know try and think about what your niche is going to be mm. um then find products within that niche um that you feel there's demand for and then downloads you know the, the the relevant software so one of them is called um helium 10 um and another one is called keeper do you have to um, pay for these yeah so helium 10 is like uh 90 dollars a month yeah um and then keeper is like 15 dollars a month so you do have to pay for them but for the first 30 days you can get free trials anyways mm. um and if you want you can 
do multiple free trials, I guess, <laughs> um, just to figure out how the software works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just get started, you know, try and find the products that you can maybe buy in, in batches of 10. Mm. Um, sell them, see how quickly they sell, see whether you get any complaints, um, see whether anybody asks for a refund. If they do, figure out why. Um, and then if that process has gone well, you can then start to, to mm. grow and scale up from there. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense, makes sense. And, oh, God. Yeah, so um, in terms of growing your business knowledge and acumen, like you kind of mentioned you didn't do any courses, but um, how do you kind of, because obviously you're growing a business, but also making sure that you can last the test of time, how do you kind of sharpen that? With Amazon, Amazon has been one of the only businesses where I genuinely haven't really spoken to many people for advice. Like other things I've done, I've been quite diligent in going around to get advice from mm. people and what do you think of this and how does this work? And, mm. and, I, and I'd be very sort of measured around that. Mm-hmm. But with Amazon, I don't know. I think it was partly because it's always been during COVID and it's always been during lockdown. So yeah. it's been hard to sort of arrange meetings. I, I don't have a huge network of other Amazon sellers. Um, so it was just the case for us of using the experience that we have, using the, the the knowledge that we have. And I've also got a very, 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 very clever business partner as well. Um, so he can build like some crazy systems. So that means that a lot of the time, whenever we're growing, our system is also getting better. Um, so a lot of things are now a lot more automated. Um, so that definitely helps us. So generally, I'd I'd say a big thing with it is trying to find systems, which he's good at. He'll always find a new system. That means that, even though you're growing um, revenue-wise and, and sales volume-wise, it's not breaking the business. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No, very important because I'm, yeah, I'm proper like, into systems and because I, I, the book, The E-Myth, mm-hmm. much talks about yeah. having systems. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Jordan, Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, and making sure you're automating tasks that don't need to be done um, yeah. by you all the time you know what I mean? Yeah, so. he's, good at, he's good at the automation. It's sometimes, it's actually, there was a time where it, it was like, Every couple months, it felt like there was a new system because he'd, he's 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 an interesting guy. But he'll basically like look at something and he'll say, "Oh, I think I this can make can this quicker." Yeah. And I and I might have just learned how the current system works, and then he'll say, "Oh, we need to do a Zoom call. I've learned a new system," and mm. it would it would get long because then I'd have to then go and train like you know the people in our warehouse or whatever to then use that system as well. Um, but looking back, it was actually really good that he was so committed to constantly trying mm-hmm. to improve um, what we were doing and, yeah, and how yeah. we were doing it. No, no, that's good. And then, like, um, Shrib's also mentioned, I um, know you even mentioned that you obviously you kind of dabble in pro- property investment as well. Mm-hmm. And then, kind of, Shrib's um, also mentioned that you run like a mentoring program. Yeah. So, like, let's start off with do you can just briefly touch on this one? But with the, with the, with the, um, your property journey, like, how did you get into it? Did you, is it yourself? Is it other people? Or... Um, yeah, so with property, I think I'd always had a very loose, passive interest in property from from years ago, um, like watching, you know, everyone watches all those TV shows and you think, oh, I could do that kind mm. of thing. Um, but then I started to take it a bit more seriously, sort of 2018, yeah. um, where I was like, okay, like at that time, I had a bit of savings, not loads, but I was like, you know, maybe I should do something with this. Maybe I should. And then I collaborated with with a friend who who I also work with now on this um, on the Amazon business, and I basically said, let's sort of 
joined forces. At that time, he had a bit more money than me as well. Mm. Um, and I was like, I'll find us a deal in London. Because um, I'd gone to property events. I, I, I'm very good at just going out there and picking up the knowledge that I need to learn. So I went yeah. to a lot of property events at that time. Like I was going to like two a week, um, meeting different people. And you just start to figure out, you know, how it works and the methods and, and what you need to do. So I went to that. And then um, I just started going to auctions. So mm. at that time, I was bidding on properties in auction. Um, never got one because mm. it, it was really competitive at that at that moment in time. And then I decided those properties that I was looking at at the time were in London. And then I decided, let me look outside of London um, just because it seemed like there was a bit less competition. So long story short, we bought two properties at that time in Wales. Mm-hmm. Um South Wales, to be precise. And um, we went there because <laughs> property, you can make mistakes. And I think like for anybody listening, it can sometimes be beneficial to go to a cheaper area um, to make your mistakes. It's almost like, I don't know, under 23s football. Like you go there to, you know, figure out your game, figure yeah. out, you know, what you're good at and and make mistakes in an environment where it's not so costly. Yeah. Um, so we bought those two. I've still got one now um, that's rented out. The other one, we sold it. We made some money on that, uh, you know, in terms of as a flip. Mm-hmm. Um, and then more recently, I bought a flat in, in southwest London, mm-hmm. um, Collier's Wood. And um, I've got like a big plan with that, but it's going to take a, a couple of years for that to all come yeah. um, to all come to plan. But I think, yeah, it's just a case of figuring out what you want to do when people say property, they they could mean so many different things. You yeah. know, that could be rent to rent, that could be sourcing, that could be buying your own deals. So mm. you have to really get specific in terms of, okay, what do I want to do? And then what resources do I need to, yeah. to get there? No, and I, and I agree with you. And I think like <laughs> when people say, oh yeah, they want to they wanna invest in property, they always yeah. focus on effectively where the big money's at. Yeah, And it's just like, you can... You can still make money because I, I, because even when I spoke to him, I'm like, I'll tell people to go look in Wales as well. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Wales is dirt cheap in comparison yeah, yeah, yeah. to London, in comparison to the to the outskirts of London, and where if you have a bit more money, mm. you can just spread that across multiple. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I feel like the the only downside is obviously the travel element and the yeah. fact that you're not yeah. local, right? So and and you also have to learn. If somebody says to you right now, okay, go buy a flat in Broccoli, you probably can start to work out, okay, it needs to be near this station or whatever, mm. whatever. When you go to places like Wales, like there's towns that you can't even pronounce. Yeah, so yeah. You've got to learn on the ground, like where's the good areas? What are the bad areas? Mm. But just in terms of your point, I feel like if people are just starting out, they don't know all of the downsides in the sense of they haven't been through it enough times. So if you're starting out and you're going to put a huge amount of money into a property in London, but you're, you're inexperienced, that could, you know, Mm -hmm. not to be negative, but that could pose a problem. Yeah. So you have to be very mindful about the fact that, okay, if I'm not so experienced, um, maybe collaborate with a friend so you're even, you know, lowering your risk. And then, yeah, there's nothing wrong with going up North. I've got a friend who, buys like two properties i think every quarter so he's buying he's averaging like eight a year Mm. um in newcastle and i think that's that's a good thing because the thing with property is that some deals 
do go wrong. Yeah, of course. Um, You know, things can happen, whether that's, you know, you you overpay for the property or you've missed something and you you need to spend extra to fix that problem. Mm, If you spread that risk across multiple properties that are cheaper, um, if one of them does go wrong, it's it's not going to break you. you know? Yeah, yeah. And then also, like, what what about your um, your mentoring program as well? So yeah, the mentor circle. So this was a, um, a summer program that I've ran. Well, I started it like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we've only run one. We've only run sorry one um, boot camp so far, but that was in response to a lot of what was happening around. Um, George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and and just the general conversation around that. Mm -hmm. Um, So my whole thing at the time was there was a lot of people who were sort of talking about the problem. Um, You know, they were highlighting a lot of disparities between, you know, certain ethnic groups and how, um, you know, Black and Asian in particular, um, you know, young people are struggling to get into work or, or find their feet in the world. So my whole thing at that time was, I had a network or, you know, still have a network of, of people, um, a lot of them from those backgrounds who were doing well. Mm. And I feel like there was a bit of a, it was just made sense really to mm-hmm. say, okay, like here's some people who are doing well um, from so many different um, careers, you know, mm. banking, law, people in business, people in property, whatever it was at the time. Um, let's all sort of, put our heads together and run a program for people who, because at that time there was a lot of grads who were coming out without a clue about, you know, what the world of work would look like. Mm. Um, So it was just a case of, you know, so we done like 23 different virtual events across a six week period. Um, And it was all just a case of, if you want to do X, here's somebody who can help you with that. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to do Y, here's somebody who can help you with that. Um, and it's been good seeing the growth and seeing seeing what everyone who was on that program has now gone on to do. Mm. Um, and and that that just generally sits with me quite well, like in the sense of, I believe that if you, what we don't need is we don't need more people highlighting the problem. Mm. You know, we need more people who are willing to to do something, however small, mm-hmm. um, to fix problems. So yeah. I just feel like if, if you're dealing with with young people who are maybe struggling to get, you know, job interviews or struggling to start their first business, whatever mm. it may be, um, be somebody who can at least make a make a small Yeah, difference. yeah, yeah. And like, do you obviously you could you you've worked before right, in, in the corporate world? Um, do you think it's difficult to find opportunities in the corporate world? Yeah. Um, what is it in terms of work work opportunities? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like as like being being from an ethnic background, do you think? Of you course, think it's, it's harder. Absolutely, it's harder. I think the the stats, you know, the stats tell you that it's harder yeah. to to find work in the corporate world coming from an ethnic background. And mm. I can't comment on it too much because I, I've never worked in the corporate world for for any real long period yeah. of time. But I feel like it's possible, um, and we're definitely seeing more people. At, you know, you can just sort of see that when you walk around Canary Wharf or walk around the city. We're definitely seeing more people from, you know, um, ethnic minority mm. backgrounds yeah, breaking into those types of environments, which is good to see. Yeah. Um, but I think more more needs to be done mm. in terms of making it a bit more. Because yeah. um, things like nepotism still play a big part, you know, yeah, people are getting jobs because their uncles did this and yeah, their yeah, yeah. did that. Um, which obviously, if you're coming from a, an ethnic minority background, you don't have those 
sort of networks that can te- that can get you into certain positions. Yeah. Um, and I also feel it's the responsibility of people who have broken in. Yeah. Um, whether they like to to think it or not, but it's partially their responsibility yeah. to then be that person who um keeps the door open for mm. someone else. You know. Yeah. No. Because uh, the reason why I asked because. Obviously, I work in work in the corporate world. I work in finance. Mm. Um, so at my company, I kind of head up one of the initiatives of like student engagement. Yeah. So I was just kind of curious to to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it's um, getting better. Though. Yeah, you know, yeah. from when our parents were around, I'm sure it's a lot better. Oh, now, yeah, of course, know, so, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 getting well, amazing. So, what's next for for you, Tunde? Like, what are you obviously, like you said, the summer period's coming now. Sun's coming out. Um, Obviously, you've been kind of preparing for this as well. Yeah. So, what's kind of next for you, business-wise, and also just life-wise as well? Um, what's next? I think the next six months are going to be busy work-wise. But beyond that, I think we want to, we want to be a bit more public now about the opportunities that are available on on Amazon and just e-commerce in general. Actually, I'm not even just going to center on Amazon because there were so many brands, you might even know some of them that started during the the pandemic Mm. and to see their success has been really, really good. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we want to do is we're now in a position where we've built an infrastructure around e-com. Like we know Mm -hmm. how to scale. We know how to go from the start to, um, you know, being quite a large business um, in terms of sales. So what we want to do is actually now start trying to help others Mm. um, in the sense of, not necessarily just help them in terms of showing them how it works, but actually really trying to say, okay, look, you plug into our systems. Yeah. Um, you know, if you have a good product idea, bring it to us, plug into our systems. Mm-hmm. We'll help you scale that. Um, we'll find the suppliers, whether they're in China. Um, so we actually want to build maybe like more of like a, um, a community to a degree. Okay. Yeah, you could say a community um, where people are sort of tapping into our... Um, you know, network to a degree or tapping into our, our knowledge mm. um, to grow their own e-commerce business. Oh, no, amazing. And would you ever consider anything like a course? Or... <coughs> um, no, I'm not sure. I, it, it'd be difficult for me to answer that yeah. right now in terms of would we ever do it? an Amazon course there's a lot out there That's um, what I'm probably thinking. not a lot that are, that are great quality yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of the time people might run an Amazon business for a couple months and then they'll they'll pop up with a course which is which and there's nothing wrong with that at all you know mm. good luck to them but I just feel like for us we're still in a in a phase now where we see the opportunity in on the ground to a degree rather than just talking about it like we actually want to to, to own more brands within e-commerce um, or part own or, or invest in, in other people's businesses. Um, I wouldn't rule it out, but we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, sounds good. Sounds good. Um, no, perfect. Um, any any more questions, Alex? No, no, no. I'm good. Man. Cool, yeah. So how we usually end, um, we kind of end with a word or sentence for the week because um, yeah. we release it on Mondays. So it'll be great to, um, for you to give us a word or a sentence of encouragement or some, some motivation or a for the week or yeah. a phrase that you live by. I've listened to a few of your episodes and it seems like um, everyone gets put on the spot with this. But for me, for me, like a, a word that even comes to mind now is like suffer. Like you have to embrace suffering. Like you have, not, not in a very sort of morbid way, but in the sense of there will be hard times. Um, you have to embrace it. You have to sit with it. Um, you can't skip the steps. Mm. Um, there will be times where 
you know, you're not making money. There'll be times when deals go wrong or whatever it may be. If you want to go down this path of having your own business, um, learn to suffer, learn to embrace it. Um, and then you'll definitely come out the other side and better for it. Amazing. Amazing. There you, there have, you it, have it, people. Where, where can our, our, our community find you um, if they have any questions? All the usual places. Um, Instagram, LinkedIn is probably the two that I use the most. So if they just cool. search uh, Tunde Yusuf, um, always happy to answer any questions sure. or to um, yeah, speak to people on the phone, whatever it may be, if they, if they need some advice. Cool. No, that's perfect. We'll add that to the show notes as well mm. so people can, can, can hit you up if they have any questions. And just very grateful to have you on the podcast for you to share all, a all this knowledge, like like you said, raising awareness in terms of the opportunities out there for, yeah. for people and for people to tap in and kind of seeing someone that looks like you do it yeah, as well yeah. is so it's so important because obviously on the ad you're seeing different type of people, but of not course. really people that are from London, look like your similar background yeah. and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, no, so really, you. really great to have you on here. Um, but as always, guys, make sure to focus on things that move, move the, the needle. needle. Like, share, subscribe. And All that good stuff. Bow. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Bye.